would you pray with me, church? Dios, te necesitamos. Te queremos. God, we need you and we want you. We need you and we want you. And so here we are this morning with all of our stuff and all of our stress and all of our anxiety and all of our unresolved business and all of the unresolved things of our heart. And we say with our soul, we need you. And God, we certainly want you. So God, I ask that you would be present to us in this moment. That you would be revealed to us in the ways that we need. And God, I ask for spirits and minds and bodies that would be open, that would have a disposition to you that is receptive. So with hands open, we say, God, here I am. Like so many of the prophets and the psalmists would say, here I am, God. Speak to me. God, your servants are listening. So speak, Lord, and have your way because we know that in spite of all our best intentions, it's too big for us to handle. And so, God, would you be present to us and would we be present unto you? Would we fall into your grace? Would we fall into your presence? Would we fall into the truth that you alone can move us and heal us and transform us to be your presence, to be your witnesses, to be your good and imperfect participants in a world that needs you? God, we need you and we want you. It's in the name of the triune God that we bring these things to you. And God's people said, amen. amen and amen. You may be seated. Can I join you up here? Uh, good morning and welcome. I see a lot of new faces here today, which means I'm either unobservant, which is certainly possible and many times the case, or hey, Leilani, or some of y'all are new. So if that's the case, I'm just guessing. Welcome to you. It's good to see all of you. Welcome to all of you who are online. Um, we are River City Community Church, and I, I can't do the whole Keith spiel where he, he does that good way of introducing it. But I will say, Keith's like, do it. I can't do it. Uh, but I will say, we're just uh, um, we're, a, we're a community in West Humboldt Park who are trying to bear witness to and, and participate in. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. Uh, to the good news that is true for us and is true for the world, for healing and for liberation, for wholeness, for integration, for shalom. And so we're trying to be recipients of that and then participants in it. Amen. So that's who we are. Um, usually there's, uh, this is also going to be confusing for the folks who are here all the time because usually this is a time we call prayer and praise where we celebrate folks and we pray for folks and people just kind of uh, shout out loud, what do we need in prayer for? And we do this thing called the birthday song. 
Um, and we're actually not going to do that again today. So this is going to be for the second week in a row. We're not doing that. Um, so first, I just want to name that structure and routine and rhythm is important for the health and for the life of basically all communities, but especially for the church. So I just want to name that, that those things are something that we value and we try to hit that every week. There's a routine, there's a rhythm, right? We might use the language of ritual, we might use the language of liturgy, but it's important. Just like we do a call to worship every week, uh, we do prayer and praise basically every week. And, here's the and, not the but, but the and, we also want to be a community attentive in the moment attentive and receptive and attuned um, to what God is asking of us in the moment. And so sometimes the, the routines and the liturgy and the structure has to change. Sometimes it has to be switched up. And so um, there are some things that have happened in our community and frankly have been happening for a long time in terms of gun violence, in terms of the ongoing kind of pandemics, pandemics and epidemics um, with violence in our young people. And so there recently has been a few folks who touch closer to home who've passed due to gun violence. And so we kind of take a pause in our regularly scheduled program. And we're like, no, we want to listen, God. What would you have us do um, as a community? So having said all that today, we're not going to really do a sermon. I'm going to give a little reflection, like two, three, four, 11 minutes. I don't know. And, um, and then we're going to actually have a round table. So you'll see a lot of the, uh, our city directors. Our city's the nonprofit that's connected to the church. The directors will be up here, um, and some of the staff on the church side will be up here. And we'll be doing that as a way of just trying to listen together, to speak together as a small, intimate community. Amen? So I'm sorry that if you, had a, a, you were really craving a birthday song, it's your birthday coming up. We will do that. Um, we'll do that next week. Does that sound okay? So, but having said that, if you do have prayer requests, you can text them in, and there's still a dedicated team of folks who will pray for you and pray with your requests. So that's the number. I think you just text it, right? Yeah. And it will be, thank you, Kiara's doing attitude already. It's early for that. Um, So you can text that. And then lastly, I think we have an offering slide, do we not? Or maybe we don't. Well, I can just verbally. Here's an offering to you. If you would like to offer an offering, that is something um, perpetually, constantly, continually a need. And um, it's kind of a random sidebar, but I was listening to a podcast of a kind of mentor I really appreciate, and uh, I follow his work. And he was doing this big talk with Krista Tippett on On Being. And there was a, a woman who in the crowd gave a question. She was like, uh, and she was kind of self-identified. She's like, I'm just a privileged white woman in the suburbs. So what, what you know, I write the check, and then what else? What do I do? And I love his first answer was like, well, first of all, don't stop writing the check. Uh, that's, that's step one. Please don't stop writing the check. It's not, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. So you need... That, that's my convoluted way of saying to give is, is to minister. Amen. And it is important. It is necessary. So <laughs> I didn't mean to do all that, but offering, it's important. Give what you can if you feel led, only if you feel led. Um, with that, so I actually think we're going to let the kids go a little bit early today. And so I'm going I'm to ask all the kids to come on up.
And I'm going to ask Teacher Jen. Okay, we're just going to say a quick prayer before we release, release our kids that are in front of us. But we see all the beautiful kids that are in front of us. Just a reminder that there are other kids who are in this building during the week that we don't see. So we want to make sure we hold them, lift them up in prayer as well. So, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for the love that you have for all of us, for the grace and mercy that you give us. Um, as we send these kids in front of us, Lord, off to hear your word in their way, we ask that you just bless them, that you keep them, that you hold them. We ask that the children that will be coming into this building tomorrow and throughout the week, that you hold them safe, that you protect them. And even though we can't see them, allow them to feel the love that we have for them, Father God, because we know that we are one under you, Father, and we are to reach those who we see and those that span across the nation, Father. So I ask that you protect them, lift them up, the ones who we see before us and those who are not in front of us now. Lord, may there be a special blessing and grace and comfort where they see your love every place that they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. I'm going to ask one of the directors, Dr. Shonda, to come up and read our text for the day. I am reading from Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the weeds, verse 24 through 30. And it says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in a field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> you can clap. Yeah, why not? <laughs> we clap for the word of God. So I just want to set up really just for a couple minutes, and then I'm going to invite everyone up. Um, so this would be a homily, which is a short reflection in the Greek on a text, a homily, new for our community. I think 
Well, there's a few things. I actually want to give you two points and then a question, really short. But the first one, the second one flows from the first one, and it's so simple. So I, I actually ask that uh, you allow the simplest things. If you, if, you, if you pay attention, you'll find that the simplest things really do become the most profound things. And they just, at, at, at new levels of reflection, they just go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's not that they even get more sophisticated or more complex. They actually just might go sink in a little deeper each time. And so that's what I would like to offer today about uh, this parable. I think it's, I don't know why we do this. I think it's either our, our desire and our yearning for some semblance of purity or perfection. I think it's probably one of those two, purity or perfection, that we often want so badly for things um, to be binary and to be dual, either one or the other. So we are either good or we are either bad. It's either a good neighborhood or a bad neighborhood. It's either an unproblematic church or a problematic church. It's either, oh, they're moral or they're amoral or immoral. It's either, it's a wonderful thing or it's a destructive thing. It's either a sacred thing and we have to preserve the sacred things or it's a secular thing, or it's God-filled, or it's devoid of God. And yet here comes the parable. (laughs) A sower goes out and sows what kind of seed? Good seed. And then while the people who belong to this sower or were associated with this sower are asleep, there is also one who sows what? Bad seed or weeds. And so this is the simple point, ready? That for every field, and in every field, and the field might be your life, the field might be your ministry, the field might be how you understand your call, the field might be how you understand your purpose. In every field, which is also to say in your life, simple point, and really hard for us to kind of let sink in. There is both a good sower and one who is sowing lies at all points in time. And our desire for us to get to a field, for instance, where there's just good seed, and there's just good soil, and there's just good things, and there's just beautiful flowers, and there's just plants that bear good fruit. It seems to me when I read this, these couple verses in this parable, that that's not exactly how it works. That all the way down, And perhaps you know this to be true of yourself and in your own inner life, that our field is not just all good or all bad. And I want to suggest to you that everyone you encounter today and tomorrow and in the next week will be both a field full of mixed plants and full of some weeds, too. I think it's connected to how we can see that in other people and how we can see that in ourselves and how we can see that in our calling or our purpose or our ministry. The field has both a good sower and one who is deliberately upending and compromising that which is sown by the good sower. That's point one. Are you with me on that? So that leads into the second one, because I think if we don't understand that there's actually a good sower and a bad sower, we don't understand why there's the presence of both weeds and wheat. But in all of our lives, there really is a lot of weeds and a lot of, well, let me just speak for me. There's a lot of weeds. And, and there's some wheat, 
There's a lot of weeds and there's some wheat. And that's true all the way down. And so I guess I would just want us to, as we get ready for this round table to come up, to reflect on that the present, and it's, and it's a converse reality. It goes true both ways, that the presence of weeds does not negate and does not mean the absence of wheat. Okay? The presence of weeds does not mean the absence of good fruit. I'm going to say it again because we really don't actually move through the world like this. But the absence, sorry, the presence of weeds, the presence of neighborhoods that are systemically and structurally set up unfairly and oppressively, weed. The presence of gun violence. The presence of death, the presence of despair, does unfortunately coexist with all the things that God is still doing. I know it's so simple, but let it sink. Okay, and the converse reality is true too. It goes both ways. Just because there's good things and there's good fruit and there's signs of life does not mean it's the absence of weeds. And I'm just trying to get us to go back into our own experience and to see we actually know this intuitively if we're honest. And so that kind of guides our ministry. And so those are the two points, that there's a good sower and a bad sower. And then that also means that the presence of weeds doesn't mean the absence of wheat. And so lastly, as I get ready to ask folks to come up, how then will we live standing in a field between wheat and weeds. Because you are never going to actually stand anywhere else in your life. You will never find yourself in a field of all flowers and of all pure wheat. You will never get to a spiritual place that is all wheat. You will always be in the field of a both and, and a tricky one, and one in which there's suffering and hardship and confusion. So the question, I think, for us, especially in our moment and for this context, is how then are we going to live? How then shall we live standing in the field between wheat and many weeds? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask the directors come up. And... We're going to introduce all of them. Um, Benjamin, that's a good word. That was a good word yeah. to get us started here. Um, I'm really thinking on that. Um, I'm glad you're here. Um, one of the things that's kind of been distinct for River City since its origins is uh, we wanted to be a church and be all that God has called us to be as a church. We also kind of envisioned having kind of a multi-tiered approach to responding to the needs of the neighborhood, the challenge of the neighborhood. and so. What was a dream early on? In fact, I want to honor. We've got Dr. David Anderson. Can you just wave, Dr. DA? Dr. Dr. David has been doing this work hardcore 25, 30 years, probably something that is a national figure on this. And so I'm having fond memories seeing him and his son and daughter lesson back there. He sat with us before we were even a church and helped us think through this stuff. And so it's meaningful to have you here, Dr. DA. Yeah. Um, uh, but one of the things we dreamed that eventually became a reality in 2014, 2015 was to have a nonprofit that was um, – 
linked in deeply with us. We were arm in arm, each doing what was our respective part of the call, but also was so linked in together that you can hardly tell us apart. And so um, if I just speak personally, one of the most significant things that's happened over the last eight, nine years has been the development of our city. Full name, River City Community Development Center, called Our City, or you get the, the double meaning, Our City, right? And so um, this is always important for us, but in times like this where stuff like really spikes and where we're asking the church, how do we respond to this? Benjamin's question, how now shall we live? Um, it's really important that to kind of have these conversations together. And so I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves here in a moment. We've got the church staff, minus, it's very sweet, Mesley filled in for, which age is she in, Kid City? <laughs> Mesley jumped in with toddlers so that Jen can be up here. They swapped, so that was very gracious of her. But the church staff is up here. The directors, our city's grown a lot. I think you guys got 20-ish people on staff now, right, which is awesome. Uh, but the three directors, uh, they'll introduce themselves a little longer than the directors. So we're talking all the time, and it feels like there's these certain moments where it's like just great to have the conversation together, right? So we're going to share some of kind of what the real-time conversations are between our two leadership teams and staffs, but also in a way that, you know, uh, you're able to hear what we're talking about, but also find, you know, find your, you know, God's leading for you even within it as part of our larger collective. So that's what we're doing today. Um, we're going to have, you know, four or five questions, three or four questions, um, and then um, hope that that kind of got really used at that time. So we'll just kind of go in order, if that's okay, Jen, or do you not want to start since you're the newest? Are you okay? Okay. Um, we'll just do introductions first, and then we'll jump into questions. So sound good? Hi. Hi. I'm Jennifer Tyler Baker. I'm with the Kids City. I'm <laughs> so with the Kid City, uh, the staff, leadership staff, but also I do, I am with our city as well. And she basically makes every single event we've ever had look Thanks. unbelievable. <laughs> uh, my name is Benjamin Kunzo Cook, and I am, um, what do I do? Uh, I, yeah, I work with the junior highs and the high schoolers on church side, and then I also hang out with our city as a mentor. Sure, go a little bit longer. That we want to make sure everybody knows who the our city directors are. So, um, my name is Shanisha Collier. Um, I am the director of programs and apprenticeships at our city. Um, so helping out with the. Dream Builders and Peace Builders program, and then the Tuck Pointed Apprenticeship, and then our Dream Builders Apprenticeship, where they get to help into the uh, Dream Builders uh, summer camp. Don't start with me, Shari. You guys are gonna see behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, she, yeah, and I'll leave it there. Yes, that was wonderful. Thank you, Shari. My name is Waishonda Rivera. I am the Director of Research and Strategy and Partnerships. Um, I was blessed to do the work for my PhD here at River City um, since 2015. And because that thesis was so cool that you did for your PhD, the triangular, yeah, maybe say a quick word on that. So it's interesting, I got my PhD from Northwestern University, but what I love that I was able to do is in learning sciences, my background is in education. I've been a CPS teacher and principal, but it was more on my heart. You just, for me, I think this is probably right for all of us, but I can't disassociate my faith and my relationship with God with the work that I do. And so I was so blessed to be at a cookout at Beth and I, we've known each other, and Charlie and my husband, we've known each other before River City. And I was like, 
what am I going to do? I want to do something about how a community heals itself in terms of education and academics. And Beth was like, we're starting up the community center. Come here. I was like, okay. And God just worked it out. He absolutely worked it out. And the gist of it was talking about what I term ecological partnerships. And it's when you look at an ecology, every aspect of the ecology matters. And so you can't just look at a school without looking at the social issues. And for as much as people don't want to acknowledge it, it has a very spiritual root to it. And so when I would go and talk about this church that had this uh, burden to live out what Jesus looks like by attending to social and academic needs that they partnered with this school and they created this community development center, people would be like, isn't there a separation of church and state? Well, I'm talking about an ecology where in the ecology, religion matters. And so you cannot just kick that to the side. It's a very important aspect of the ecology. And thus, I was blessed to do all of this in a secular university and go share about it. So now I'm blessed to be on this side as one of the directors. Um, and I'm Beth Gaelic. I'm a member here at River City and have been since we came to this building in 2014. Um, I'm one of the directors at our city. Mostly these days I do finance because we do now have a staff of 20, which means there's a lot more finance work, um, but also get to weigh in with these guys on everything else. All right, good morning. I'm Antoine Taylor. Most of you know me as Taylor, so I'll say the full name for those of you that call me Antoine, like my <laughs> wife and a few others. Um, I've been just blessed and fortunate to, to serve in both capacities. Um, started at River City, we're going on 20 years, and I've been here, we've been here 19 and a half of those years. Um, but also served as a board member for our city. Um, I'm currently on staff with the church, director of operations, and just kind of plugging everywhere, but just been blessed to, to watch our communities just grow. Uh, with what they do and, and my role is just to make sure needs are in place and, and ministries have what they need to do. Hello, I'm Aaron Eddy. I'm the worship pastor for River City Church and I also worked with our city for about four years as a mentor um, and I've handed that over to <laughs> some other people but still yeah <laughs> some younger folk but uh, still still love interacting and, and working with kids so um, they've impacted me in a major way. So to bring y'all in, if you were here last week, you know this, but some of you are just jumping in now. So this is the, what we're gonna talk about today is the call and the work we're always doing together across organizations. It feels very heartfelt right now because there have been the loss of lives of a number of young people, just in general, over the past few weeks, but three connected to our body, including one that was actually part of our program, Jamise Wright, who we did a service of lament for last week, just a senseless and horrible um, passing through gun violence. Um, so before we kind of jump into questions, I think our city directors have maybe kind of especially put this to you because those part of our River City body have heard us, but maybe just kind of a personal check-in, like, and we, all three of you, this is stuff you always care about, we know that, but also these are people who are close to you, I mean, this was close to home, what's happened. So, I mean, if you just kind of checked in, just, you know, I don't want you to be more than you want to be, but if you just kind of checked in where you're at right now and kind of what you're holding, what you're feeling, this is obviously not just an intellectual conversation, right, this is like really, it's close to home. So if you just had an invitation to just check in a little bit and share with us. Is there anything that you would kind of share? Do you want me to start? Okay. 
ongoing nature of losing youth to gun violence. So um, those of you who know my story, I directed another community center about three blocks from here for 10 years before I came here. And a lot of those families are the same, so they kind of all blend together. Um, and in the weeks since we lost Jamise, um, I also lost another one of my alumni, um, who's a young adult who was also senselessly killed. Um, and so I think the, the just continual nature of it, that it just um, continues to come. And then we start to, you know, after, I've been in this work 19 years now, and so we start to look at our babies in a different way. You know, knowing the ones who are really, really excited about violence already when they're five or six, um, the ones who by the time they're eight tell us, well, I don't need to go to school, I have other ways to earn money. And I'm like, yeah, but don't you wanna be able to count your cash anywhere you are? I feel like that's important. Um, so I think the, the ongoing nature of the exhaustion of it, I think the other thing is, um, so again, those of you who know my family know that we have four biological kids and um, four guardian kids who are the children of my good friend who was um, killed in an illegal police car chase in a stolen vehicle, um, hit by a stolen vehicle. And um, in walking through that experience with them, the administrative burden of being a victim is immense. Um, to try to navigate the systems, to try to navigate funerals, to try to come up with money. Um, and so I think having walked that experience personally, it always, that's kind of what my eyes are always looking for when our families lose someone, is who in this family is now working a part-time job of trying to administrate death and come up with money that they don't have. Um, so, so how can we, and I think that administrative burden also feels very isolating that it's extremely difficult to feel like people on, are on your side when you're kind of in the paperwork and financial struggle by your, yourself. And so I think for us to try to see how can we show up for our families in very practical ways with what they're walking through. I've been working with kids myself since, for about nine years, um, when I was 16. And I've been assistant crew leaders and head crew leaders, and now I get to just run the program um, with my team. But I particularly knew Jamise since, for about four years, since she was like 12 or 13. Um, and it just felt, I'm like in this phase of like thinking about who she could have been living past 16. Cause she had the potential to do everything. She was so bright, funny, like hilarious. Like anything could be going on and she will try to make light of the situation. And um, she was just one of those kids that just knew if she didn't do the summer season, she was there for the fall. If she didn't do the fall, she was there for the spring. So it wasn't like she was like in and out. She knew that she can reach out and ask like, hey, is there a spot available? And she literally did that the Sunday before she passed. And she had texted me about the application I sent it to her, so the whole thing, I was just like stuck and thinking that like, oh, this is a dream. Um, and I have been working with kids for nine years, so when I would talk to some people about like how I was feeling, they would think I have experienced this before. Like being in this neighborhood, knowing how gun violence is, all of our kids, most kids that's out in the street, that they could be connected, but I just 
I haven't. So it was just like trying to even process that and like be strong in my own feelings, knowing that I'm grieving myself, but how do I talk to the kids that was just working with her two months ago? So how to open up that space for them to just feel whatever they feel and like being personal with them that I'm also feeling what I'm feeling. Like it, she shouldn't have died, but like everything is in God's hand and we just have to walk in the next step. So I just like reminded them to think about whatever favorite memory that she just like, that you just remember and to hold on to that and just when you feel that um, grief coming or that sadness to just think about what she did and how she made you laugh, how she, but I have many because she's been here for a while. But just thinking more recently, my birthday was in March and the team had put, a get, put together a surprise with some of the kids at 10 o'clock in the morning. She was the last person that I would expect to be jumping out the bathroom at 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, screaming happy birthday and they had cookies and cake and all type of stuff, but just for us to be in that moment with each other. And um, we did peace circles with our kids this fall just to get to understanding their feelings. And for that day, she was just like, oh, I'm just happy like it's Shar's birthday. Like, why are you happy that it's my birthday? <laughs> but it was just like, you know, to understand, like we had a relationship and I try to make a relationship with everybody who walks through that office or who walks through the door. Just to feel this is just still feeling like it's, it's unreal, um, but trying to do my best to just walk into that happiness because she was a very happy and hilarious individual. So just I'm holding on to those, those good things. Thank you, Shar. All right. Um, we're gonna do three big questions for our time. And on this first one, I'm actually gonna put it to three of you specifically. So uh, let me, on the church side, one of the questions we often get when somebody starts participating here is, what exactly is the relationship between River City and our city, right? How, what is the shared mission, the shared identity, the shared, the shared um, uh, sense of living this out together? Which I think is an important question. Um, so Beth, I might actually put this one to you first, then Benjamin, I'm gonna go to you on the church side. Jen, I'm gonna go to you then. Um, but Beth, you're co-founder of our city. You, as you said, you're already a member here, right? Like you've kind of grown up with this. Like when you just say in your own way, um, shared identity, shared vision, shared mission, kind of how do you think about that, talk about that? Yeah, so this is a question I get from my grantors a lot. And in, in grantors, I say it this way, they are separate organizations with separate legal and financial and oversight systems. This is my way of saying, yes, we need your money because the congregation is not going to pay for all of this. That's really what they're asking. But um, yeah, so uh, our city does have its own board. The church has their elders. They are separate financial systems. But in that, there's an extreme amount of intangibles that you can't see in terms of support from one to the other. So when I began attending um, River City as a church, I had already been doing community development work for 10 years and I had never heard it preached as beautifully as I heard it preached at River City. And that was what really draw me to, drew me to this place. Um, and so I think um, at the core, there's this shared theology that um, ministry to the oppressed and those on the margins 
is in the heart of the gospel, that this isn't like there's the gospel and then there's charity or there's mercy or something like that, that this is how we express God. This is how we express God in us. This is how we see God in other people. Um, and so I think that philosophy flows through everything. And then from our side, we just try to bring more hands, more finances, more hours, more of our neighbors. Um, a lot of our staff might not um, come to church here. They might not come to church anywhere on Sunday mornings. We do always ask if they're comfortable around faith because that is a part of our programs. Um, but as a separate organization, we're kind of able to bring the best of our neighborhood into the work while combining that with the best of the congregation. Thank you, Beth. Um, yeah, there's a lot more I'd love to ask on that, but let's, um, I'd probably come back up. Benjamin, let's go to you, and uh, this is like, you wouldn't promote yourself in this way, but uh, when you were graduating with your MDiv from Duke, you were getting recruited by churches across the country. I'll watch you squirm a little bit as I uh, say that out loud. Um, but one of the things that drew you here was to be, to kind of step into your pastoral calling on the church side, but to be deeply ingrained um, in the community development work as well. Um, so now when you're two years into this and you look at this question, shared mission, shared vision, shared identity. I just be curious how you would kind of talk about that now. I'm not squirming. Um, yeah, good question. I think um, I think for everyone, I think it does have to start on the level of imagination. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it starts for me is, this is what Beth, I think, is, is getting at too, is you have to, on the level of, of, of your imagining and on the level of and this is why it is theology, this is a theological imagination to me, is to understand that there is, while there is distinction between the language of our different missions and the legal matters, and we're different arms, on the level of the imagination, we have to see it as mm -hmm. of one part, all the way down. Yeah. It has to be that the pillars of the church as worship and reconciliation and community development Man, every day when I'm with the kids on the R-City side, that is, that is not distinct from my understanding and my imagination about worship. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to worship? Is it, is it to sing a song and to stand up and to lift my hands for 32 minutes on, a, on one day of the week? Mm -hmm. Or, and, is, does it become a way of life? Yeah. Does my value as a part of the church and as a part of someone who's trying to follow the way of Jesus does my imagination about worship then push me into, well, yeah, of, course, well, of course I have to be in relationship with people around me. Well, of course I have to stand in the gap. Well, of course I have to, like, you know, share meals with folks. Like, of, of course, like, that's, that's what it is for me, I think. And, that, and so those, once you tie those together on the imaginative, spiritual level, mm. I think then, then you can kind of make that jump. So, I, yeah, in, in, in different words than what Beth was saying, I... There is no disentangling, there is no delinking, uh, there is no teasing out um, um, radically being in communion and oneness with people, and particularly people for whom this world is vicious and not working, mm. and for whom this world is violent, and for whom this world is suffocating, and for whom this world abbreviates their life uh, and all of my values as somebody who is with all my heart striving to be someone who follows Jesus. Those have to, there's no such thing to me as, as, as Christian faith apart from um, 
those things. So it's about embodiment. I guess that's a way of saying embodiment and imagination for me. Thank you, Benjamin. Yeah. Jennifer, let's go to you. You're the newest on the team. Um, but actually, the way we got to know you was you were working with our city already, right? And you and Washanda have a long-term relationship, which is great. And um, so I just would be curious now, as you've got like kind of a foot in both worlds, you know, working on the church side, working on the community development side, after being a CPS teacher for almost 20 years, being a native West Sider, um, I just, would you share anything else on this kind of, as we think about our body, understanding the shared mission, shared identity, shared commitment between these organizations, anything you would add from your end on that? Um, I would just add that it's a really beautiful thing working in CPS where um, the church, as Washanda mentioned, like the separation of church and state, like we have to be aware of how we say things, what we say, because the slightest thing can bring us under fire. Um, and so there was always that line of, if the kids ask me, I can say something based on, because it's me personally, but you have to be very careful um, at what you say, even if you're, you just say something very simple, how quickly that can come under fire. Um, but stepping into this world, being able to see both sides, it's really been a beautiful thing um, just because there is that freedom to not only be able to touch the lives of the kids in a practical way, um, an emotional way, an uh, academic way, but also to be able to reach their spirit, mm -hmm. to be able to have the opportunity to help them in that way. And yes, the kids on both sides, we um, from the neighborhoods and who come here on Sunday, we all walk different lives. Mm -hmm. um, but when some of the kids from our city come here, in our in the service or back there with the other kids it's i mean they're just kids they're all kids they laugh together they're goofy silly energetic and they're kids so it's it's been so great to see that that even though they're different they come from different worlds in different ways and not to say that um it makes one better than the other. It's just as different. We all, if we, we all have our own story and we all have come from somewhere, someplace that has um, helped to grow us and on each side, what they're experiencing, it, it will grow them in some way. And that's our plan to, that's our goal to not make whatever's happening be the, the excuse, the downfall, but to get that strength and help them grow to go out of it instead of having the fixed mindset that this is where you are, but um, getting them what they can so that they can grow, saying, yes, this is where I am, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't define me, it doesn't define who I am and where I'm always going to be, what, however that looks. So I think just being on both sides it, it's it's a really beautiful thing in watching how both the church and the community center mm -hmm. are working together. And even if you don't see it during the week, just the, the tangible things in the classrooms. Um, I, 
working together like okay we have this stuff belongs to our city but this stuff belongs to river city but we share it at, at times and we're, we're working together making yeah. sure the classrooms are together for both sides so it's just that respect even though some of the staff from our city may not have met staff that's on the kids city side knowing just that that common respect for one another in just a tangible way in, in this building alone. So that has been really nice to see. Thank you, Jennifer. That was wonderful. Uh, let's do a quick pass. Uh, let's do, so we just kind of talked about some of the shared sense of identity, mission, vision. Uh, maybe let's do a brief conversation of just, uh, there's also the reality of like, we each got to do our own part, <laughs> right? To just kind of say it bluntly, it's, um, so we're emphasizing the, the sharedness of it, but we also need each other. I think kind of, being able to articulate that in, in, in clear ways is helpful for people too. So um, uh, our city directors, I'll put it to you secondly, of kind of what do you need the church to be doing? So you can be thinking about that. Uh, Taylor, Aaron, maybe you guys can kick it off. When you think on the church side, especially Taylor, start with you. You've been here since the beginning, as you mentioned, you and Carol, since the beginning. I mean, you, you were the de facto community development presence for many years, and um, that kind of bled then into um, uh, our city. When you think of, let me just ask the question much more straight if I'm doing too much uh, flowery stuff. When you think of we need our city, the Community Development Center, and here's some of the things we see, we affirm, we, lo we love that you're doing this, we need you. Just how do you, how do you answer that? Yeah, we'll uh, unpack that as, as quickly as we can. <laughs> Um, one, one of the things that, that I love about what we're doing here, um, seeing our city being able to touch the community and the neighborhood in so many capacities that the church cannot do. Um, we know that people, even us sitting here today, we struggle with faith. We struggle with just understanding what our purpose is from a Christianity point of view. Um, having that presence and those words placed outside of our doors into the community usually does not fly that well. Uh, one of the biggest things for me is I try to get around the community. I've been in Chicago since 89. Um, and one of the things that I've learned in working with the Near North Ministry Alliance with Cabrini and Rockwell Gardens and Lathrop, uh, even a little bit of Robert Taylor Homes before they tore them down and uh, I think he's in the house, Sean Childs, the, the founder of House of Hope back there and also works with our city in violence prevention. We, we talk about these things often. Uh, my first experience uh, of being traumatized in 1992, the summer, I was working with Near North Ministry Alliance at Cabrini. School was back, the first week of school, uh, the second day of school. I'm standing out there talking to parents going into Jenner Academy and Dan Terrell Davis, seven years old, was gunned down. Literally six feet in front of me. This is 30 years ago. 30 years ago, and here we are. Speaking of Jamise and others who have lost their lives. So how this impacts me now, <laughs> for 30 years of seeing this, hearing this, is frustrating, it hurts. Am I tired? Yes, I am. I'm tired of these conversations that have to continuously come up, that we have to grieve the young lives that we do. There's a song that says, I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far from where I started from. 
Nobody told me that the road would be easy, but I've come too far from where I started from, from where I started from, and I'm still here by the grace of God, by having individuals and hearts like these saying, how can we make a difference? Those of us that commute in, we hear and we hear, but we don't see. Those of us that come in here and gather and we don't live in the neighborhood, sometimes we feel like, I don't know what to do. But this is what we've tried to do over the years is present matters of what we can do. One of the things is having our city be here, having our ministry rooted reps to try to jump in and be a part of the politics where the church is under that radar, as you say, Jennifer. Walking alongside Sean Childs of House of Hope Foundation, Live Free, meeting with the aldermans, meeting with all of the, the different leaders, constantly trying to be visible. Visibility is huge. And that's something that I would love to see us continue to do when we talk about, we know there's safe families out there and all that, but Beth and I and across the board, we talk about just having someone to take someone for two, three, four hours and say, hey, you wanna hang out? So I can get to know you better, you get to know us better. This is what some of the kids look for, and not just kids, our young adults. But for myself, walking alongside church, I haven't lost faith in the church. I've just been frustrated with the church. And when I say church, I'm talking about across the nation. But I know that there's things that we can do and things that we need to change. And we're gonna try to present some of those things to us as we keep walking along the way. But this right here, this is fire, y'all. <laughs> this is fire. Because this is where it is. When we say we wanna make a difference, this is the difference. But we need everyone. It takes that village. It's good to see what the leadership is doing, what, and, and there's so many staff that you haven't had a chance to see but I'm sure Beth and Shar and Washanda don't mind if you want to come through a Monday through Friday and say, hey, come meet the crew. <laughs> come see what's going on. Because that is what can help make a difference is when your heart begins to step in it. If you start to feel numb and you're getting numb, then we're going to have a problem. And that's what I hope that doesn't happen that we don't get to that place where none of us feel numb. Yeah, Aaron, what would you, you've watched our city grow up here alongside us. What would you, what would you affirm, say you see, uh, recognize value about the, the role they're playing kind of within this work alongside what we're trying to do? Um, it's just the, uh, the consistency um, of being present with kids. So you, you, have, you have a large turnover. You have kids who um, with families, they'll move, and you know, for whatever reason. So people are always coming and going, um, but then they'll, if they come back, they'll see our city still here. So when I worked with our city, we, we saw quite a few families uh, coming through, but then as they get older, they'll still come back because there's a, a place that they have a familiarity with and um, they're comfortable with, and they they know people. You you built relationships with them, so the the value of consistency. Um, a value of presence, being being accessible, um, knowing that no matter what um, 
transpires, the kids can always come back. Um, when I was here, I had a lot of kids who, you know, had trouble, you know, home situations, and um, when they come here, they'll take it out on you, <laughs> to say the least. So um, you, know, you get all kind of attitudes and all kind of experiences, but then they keep coming back. It's like, why do you keep coming back if you don't? I, I can't tell you how many times I've been cussed out by a kid. But then the next day they come, hey, Mr. Aaron, they'll come up and want a hug. So when we talk about the wheat and tares, you, you, see, you, see, you see the, the weeds, it's like, it's easy to like, uh, forget you, you know. Or if I could, I'd. <laughs> you lucky I'm not your daddy. You're showing your old man side right now. <laughs> but and then the, the, the wheat, the, the, this, this, the kids who are the most honorary are the sweetest. They're, they're looking for someone. They, they almost, it's like they're trying to uh, test you to see if you're really going to be, you know, uh, someone who is, is embracing and loving. And that's, that's the side that just melts your heart. You see them come back and with a big smile, Jamise. I, when I saw the picture last week, I, I didn't remember who she was because she had gotten older. I saw an older picture, but when I saw that big smile, it's like, oh man, I remember. I remember who she was and, and the experience I had with her. And she was one of those, but um, when the, the value that our city is, is, is being that you have people here who actually, who literally care for the kids, who love the children, and are going to be there no matter what. Thank you, Aaron. Okay, to our city directors, is, we're gonna start moving toward the back half here, and. Uh, uh, I'll frame a little bit, but I want to give you openness to share how you would share. So in this relationship, right, it's, it's this like tender, wonderful, complicated relationship, right, where as a nonprofit, y'all are on the ground every day, right? Like in this very room <laughs> tomorrow, there will be kids running all around, kids that you're invested with, that you've known long term, that you're doing hard work with. Then we've got a Sunday congregation, some who in the neighborhood, most, you know, who come because they're drawn to this vision. They believe this is the way God has called them to live. Um, but it's this like wonderful and uneasy at times <laughs> relationship of like, what's the best way to work together? So I, if I ask it in a like non-clear way first, I feel like probably a lot of River City people wonder like, how does our city think about the church? <laughs> right? Like, what do they hope will happen? What do they wish would happen? Um, and so I think that's the more direct question I would like to ask then is like, you know, the final question would be more the kind of practicals of like ways we're talking about working together. But just even thematically when the three of you, and you don't all have to answer if you don't want, but when you think of, you know, we're on the ground trying to grind this out. Here's what we hope for from the church. This is like at its best what we think River City can be doing. Like, how do you talk about that? Um, I just have something quick. Um, at our city, we have four commitments for our youth. Um, everyone respected, hands help not hurt, space used as it should be, and a safe home for all. Um, in November, we had the kids and put together a video of why we were thankful for this space, River City Church. Um, and the thing that kept being repeated is just like, this was the safe home for all. Um, and for many of them, it is the safe home for all from Monday through Friday. But I would just want it to be the safe home for all for them also on Sunday of like, whenever somebody is here in the building, that they feel loved and wanted and welcomed in the space at all times, even if it's not our um, our city staff here with them, but knowing that this space is like for them in the community, that they can come and feel that sharedness and love and feel wanted here. Um, so that's just. 
I think I would add, um, I like the scripture that, that um, Benjamin shared because that's the reality of the tension we live in. And Beth talked about how we have to say certain things a certain way to get certain kind of money and things of that nature. And they know we're a faith-based organization. We can say some things. But what gets me the most Mm -hmm. is the fact that one day this earth and heaven's going to pass away. And there's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. Mm -hmm. And those who accepted the Lord Jesus Christ will be caught up with them and join with them. And I don't know if this is just a personal thing, but this is truth for like where my heart beats. For every opportunity I'm given, I pray for to reflect Christ's will and to, to share the good news of the gospel. Because when it's said and done, this is fading. Now, this is someone who, feet on the ground, don't get me wrong, yeah. I believe in doing the work. Yeah. Um, but when it is said and done, what doors have you opened, Lord Jesus, for us to bring as many with us as we can? And so, so now I'm gonna be real practical about you guys, <laughs> because we got limitations to a certain degree. Like, they know we're faith-based, they know that, but like we cannot straight up be like prophesizing. <laughs> but you can. <laughs> and so I'm going to, that's the part where, where we need, like we, we were talking the other day, when Shark called, Jennifer and I had just gotten through praying and we were about to hang up. We have a group of ladies we prayed through in the week. And I looked at Shark's text and I was absolutely overwhelmed. I was like, ugh, like I just started crying on the phone. At, over the Zoom where we were praying. And I'm like, Shar just texted me, one of our kids, you know? And we stopped and we prayed for the family. But what hit me, and Jennifer knows this because I told her later, I was like, how can I be a safe family? Because I know Beth does that. But what I was saying to myself, what if I'm the answer to these prayers? And we all have to ask ourselves that. And uh, if you go back in the Word and you think about Abraham, Remember the Lord told him, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do when he was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And he, sh- he shared it with him. And if you know the story, you know that Abraham was able to stand before God and intercede on behalf of Lot and whatever righteous were there, and they were spared. They were spared. So God's showing us, his people, what's going on. Can we stand before him and can we intercede? Can we stand before him before our kids? on behalf of our kids, on behalf of our city. I love when I say that, because you say our city, but we're also talking about Chicago, so we're like covering two things at one time. But as the church, we're looking at kids that we know. We, we, this is the conversation we have. We're like, I can see X, Y, and Z. If somebody doesn't intervene, we're taking them on field trips. We got mentors, we're doing those things, but they need a spiritual arm to walk with. And sometimes that means, and I look at Kiari, since I'm just have to call you out, Kiari, right, Erin? Remember Erin when she was in fifth grade and about nine years old or something like that, coming around, she was in my research group. And I know that people at River City have come along side Kiari in her hard times. They have walked with her and look, Kiari is sitting out there this morning. We need more people to walk 
with the kids. So when we looking out here, we can be see, seeing kids who are through, throughout the week as well as Sunday, like Char said, being their home. So be willing. It's, it's a little scary, but with God, we can do all things, right? That's why he left us here until he returns to enhance and grow the kingdom of God and be wheat. The wheat doesn't have to yield to the wheat, does it? The wheat can be wheat and be strong. And hey, let's do it, church. I'm just distracted now by how great of an encouragement Kiari is to all of us. So Kiari, I hope you know that, that your life brings so much to our lives. So I want to say that in front of everybody. Um, I think for me, I deeply believe in um, the verse that says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? So I've known enough small boys now who become the next shooters when they grow, and that is not in any of their hearts at age four, at age three, right? So we're not struggling against the young men and women that are on the street. We are struggling against the forces that are pulling them there before they're even old enough to realize what's pulling them. And so if there are spiritual forces pulling our young people, which we see evidence all the time that that's true, then we know that we have the counter spiritual evidence, right? That we know God, that we have a powerful God who is sovereign and can intervene. And so um, I personally think there's something really powerful and beautiful about lifting up the name of God in worship in a place where other forces are so elevated in so many other ways. So those of you who drive here probably know that division is not a great place to park. Can I get an amen, Sean? <laughs> we have lost a good number of vehicles on Division Street. That's beside the point. What's more direct to the point is that a good number of lives have been lost and continue to be lost on Division Street directly out our back door. And so when we're here on Sunday, speaking now as a member of the church, when we're lifting up praises, that's not just for us. That's not just to think how, you know, have worship karaoke and think how good we would sound if we're up here with the mic. Um, like that is warfare at this point. That's warfare for our young people. That's warfare against the principalities. Um, Shonda and I used to worship under a leader who would say, we're not here to play church. We're not here to play church. We're here to do warfare. And so I think um, in terms of praying for our children, as Jennifer did today, and in terms of taking our worship seriously, that we are affecting the atmosphere mm -hmm. in this place. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, I would just echo what Shonda said about the power of families. Most of our staff at our city are young adults who are single people. That is a beautiful thing for a mentor, right? They are able to bring so much to our youth. Um, but what I go back to, there's a point in Job where his friends, you know, are pushing him on like, hey, Job, you probably screwed something up, right? And he's defending how, no, actually, I'm a good person. And one of the things he said, he says, you would be right if any of the fatherless around me had gone hungry. But instead, every fatherless around me has eaten at my table. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that as families of the church here, we can bring children to eat at our table. Mm -hmm. And it's not a small impact that you have on a kid's life. It's a very, very large impact. And that's something that a church congregation has. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Um, the final question was going to be things that we can be exploring together or are exploring together. I feel like we're kind of already in that. Um, so maybe let me just open it up one more time. Uh, even, uh, so let me say two things at the same time. Beth, when you talk about the power of inviting kids at the table as such, right? So I think one of the things we know from our history here is like both we have to do that and it's complicated a little bit, right? There's power dynamics, culture dynamics, things like that that need training, equipping, and such, and yet it's uh, important nonetheless. And so. Um, I, I'm not sure there's any more to say, but I want to open up to group if there is. One of the conversations we're having collectively as two organizations, one of the things we're calling it is it's, a, it's an unfinished conversation because we have to be able to support and equip these things, and that takes staff and time and energy and resources, but it's important to do. Um, but nonetheless, we want to open it and involve the body in this, right? That's the bottom line. We want to, no matter what location socially somebody's coming into this church body from, we want to find ways to open up opportunity for them to be participating in this, right? I think we're all agreeing. So would any, is in the sense that we're not like, we're not going to finish the service by saying, here's the program, sign up today. We're, we're, although we don't want to discourage somebody's interested. But at the same time, we want to speak to it. Is there anything else y'all would want to add to that of kind of that ongoing conversation we're having of that's part of the collective witness and the collective response is to open ourselves up, surround, support the larger village, support the children that are kind of facing these incredible odds, praying against these forces that, that they're there. So it's a little bit of an open question, but is there, any, is there anything else we'd want to say as, as we just kind of invite people to listen in, to participate in the conversation we're having? Is there anything else anybody would add to that before we conclude of this kind of shared quest, but that specifically to involve River City people that want to continue to be involved in that kind of a way? Again, just even supporting it is so important, being able to keep these spaces open. We've got the lot next door that's a big fall project that we're going to be doing, um, you know, so again, we'll be coming at this in a lot of ways. But anything else that, from the conversations we've had, that just feels like it might be helpful to name before we, before we wrap up? And this is, this is open to anybody that feels that they, in a spirit-led way, it's just kind of important to kind of name as part of the ongoing conversation. I would like to say be encouraged as a congregation. And um, I say that because um, Taylor talked about being tired. God knows, and in a fourth season, the Lord like drew me back for years. I was like, when is this going to end? But if you feel like you're in that drawback season or that time, he's working something in you. I know we hear these words, but recently have, after having just got out myself, he's working something in you. And if you stay the course, and I speak this over you as a congregation, the, the Community Development Center could not be here without you. So that's the first thing. We could not be here without you. And remember when the Lord whittled away Gideon's army? Because then he was able to never think he could take glory in it. God's at work, River City Church, and I'm blessed to know you guys. I'm blessed to be a part of the Community Development Center that you guys birthed. And I speak the encouragement of Christ over you as a congregation. Continue to yield to him. Continue to let him form and fashion what beats on his heart, not ours, what beats on his heart. And he will bring, he will form something glorious to exalt the name of Jesus. So I just felt like I wanted to encourage you in that way. I think for me, it's that small things matter. So I'm talking about taking a kid home. That, that may be a step that's a little bit far off. 
um, but just to look at our youth who are here on Sunday to say hello, to learn their name. Yes, if they're a teenager, they may have their headphones in and they may look at you like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> it's, it's an awkward moment that you stand in solidarity with all parents of teenagers, right? And this is is very frequent for us um, but do it right just stand in the awkwardness just figure out a teenager's name and every Sunday just greet them even if they don't hear you because their headphones are in but those things matter um, I was talking to one of my goddaughters who had walked through way too much death in her early life and she's 24 now and she told me you know one Easter one of the women from the black bought me an Easter dress. I think she was about 12. And she said, I just threw it out like last year. She's like, I've been outgrown that dress for a really long time. But it mattered to her. One Easter dress mattered to her so much that she kept it. So don't be afraid to do small things like just finding out people's name and greeting them regularly because it matters. So when we talk about getting, getting plugged in, one, one of the things that um, if you just want a start of hearing and listening and understanding what's happening, on last Saturday, um, River City, Our City, House of Hope Foundation, Live for Chicago, Root Reps, we were all at the table here in this building with Alderman and a couple of his staff, Alderman Viegas. And one of the things we want to do um, is bring to the community in the neighborhood resources of understanding of safety with the crime, the violence, and the things that are happening. Uh, the alderman gave us his ear. Pastor Daniel was also there a little bit over an hour. And we were able to sit and talk about what we would like to see happen and engage the community. So we are going to have a town hall meeting here in this room on August 26th. And that's a Saturday morning. And we will send out announcements and public service announcements so, so you all can be a part and be present. And what we're trying to accomplish with that is number one, we just have, a, you know, we talk about being tired of what's happening. Um, and even though we know that this is happening throughout Chicago and throughout the nation, we, we have to start immediately right here with what we're in, in touch with. So if you are working, if you are serving, if you are volunteering, anything that you're doing, a part of any one of our entities, uh, in this neighborhood. would love to see you there at this town hall meeting coming up on August 26th. The alderman wants to hear our hearts. Whether you're working, serving, living, he is also tired of the crime. He knows what's happening on division. He knows what's happening around, and he and his staff want to be engaged. Uh, and those of you who don't know, this is a new alderman for us. We are 36 Ward now, uh, which, is, which is Alderman Viegas. And so with that in mind, um, you know, this, this is getting something started. Uh, and we have to plan our feet and in order to march and move in directions that we need to, to help and try to resolve matters. We're not gonna solve everything, but being heard and being listened to and participating in some action, that's what we're trying to do. Thanks, Taylor. All right, well, our time's up. We're gonna respond with the final song of worship here uh, in a moment. Um, if you know, we want to always make sure you know how to give to our city for the work they're doing, and also there's some specific costs for Jamisa's family as they're negotiating funerals. So here's the uh, giving link to um, the our city page uh, if you do want to contribute specifically to that. Um, and I want to pray for us before we go. Uh, rather than putting hands out, I'm wondering if we can all put hands up because we're all in this together. So can 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 we? 
can we continue in worship in a different kind of way now as we um, prayerfully offer ourselves up? So join me in prayer, if you would. Uh, God, one of the one of the things that's so always intriguing me about the way you taught us to praise, though you are indeed my Father, you are our Father, and we come to you collectively and say, "Our God in heaven, the one who loves us, the one." who binds us all together as your children. Uh, we think of all the things that have been said today, and just in this moment, I, I want to just really now very specifically invite us to personally listen to you. Um, you know, maybe it's a way we think differently, realizing about the wheat and the weeds. Maybe it's a way we hope differently. Uh, maybe it's a way we invest our resources differently. Maybe it's the way we invest our time differently. Maybe it's the way we see people differently. Maybe it's a way we confront our own insecurities differently. But you are, you are loving God who is calling us to participate in your work, to experience your love, but to uh, express and exhibit and live that out in a way that makes a difference. Um, I, I'm, I'm, struck one of the themes today that is striking to me started with Benjamin in the th in the passage talking about the fact that there's a sower who sows good seeds but there is an evil one who sows bad seeds we're really up against something and we're seeing real lives are being lost to it I'm thinking of Beth talking about the the beautiful hearts and minds and eyes when these guys are so young gals are so young and the forces they don't even know exist yet that they're up against it I mean, of course, there's a human response where we just get hopeless and get bogged down, but we pray for spiritual eyes to see what you're doing and to, to move differently. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not give in to cynicism and hopelessness. Let us not give in to indifference and apathy. Let us encounter you and be with you in your kingdom coming. So as we respond to now in worship, we're all in this together. We're all figuring out our unique pieces, but we take comfort in knowing that it's bigger than just any one of us. We're in this together. Continue to move and guide us and lead us, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Break power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. We are in this together. Let us be relentless about building our lives in the foundation of God's love. Let us experience the chains being broken in our own lives and let us give everything we have as an offering of God to participate in the breaking of chains in those around us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Love y'all.